Good morning, Ferret and Christian Center. Thank you for the Kleenexes. <laughs> well, that might just be the most special introduction we'll ever get. <laughs> I just want, it is such a privilege and honor. You know, it's not every day that missionaries can visit a church and honestly say that we are in a place and in a house uh, with people that have been with us since the very beginning. Maybe that would mean to some people since their missions called and they were sent out. But for Garrett and I, the very beginning, I mean the very beginning, because we did um, have our wedding reception in this building. And so many of you were part of that and assisted us and served us on that day. So literally since the very beginning that Garrett and Tara were a team, so many of you have been there with us, and that's such an honor and joy to be able to be here this morning and to say thank you for all of the love and all of the prayer and all of the generosity that you have poured out on our family over these past, wait for it, almost 19 years. We're there already. In August, it will be 19 years. Thank you for, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> You've been there for our missions appointment, for even back in our credentialing and our ordination for the birth of both of our sons. And I cannot tell you as a missionary how comforting it is to know when we're walking through very hard times, when there doesn't seem to be any light of day in sight, to know that we have faithful people like you praying for us by name with your heart and the and sincere love for our family. So thank you so much. Now, um, I don't know if we have any pictures of our family, but Malachi and Titus are now 13 and 8 years old. Remember, Malachi was born in El Salvador and Titus since we've been in Panama. And just two weeks ago, it happened. Malachi <laughs> passed me up in height. <laughs> Now, I consider myself a pretty tall girl, and so for my just-turned-13 son to already pass me up, I'm getting a little bit worried. We can't keep shoes on this kid, and he's growing more and more every day. And Malachi, we hope to be kind of in the area in July, so maybe some of you will get to, to see them, but Malachi is wise and he is responsible, and he takes care of everybody around him. He has a beautiful maturity about him. He thinks deeply about the things of God. He asks the hard questions with confidence of knowing that there's an answer, that God already has thought of it, and that there's a solution to be found. Titus is pure Kenyan. Special. We're going to go with pure Kenyan. We call him special. This kid is something else. He has what, I think he has the double portion. <laughs> he has the double portion anointing on him. He is a little boy of words. His vocabulary is gigantic, and he uses every single corner of it. And we just believe so strongly in the call of God on our lives. Titus has optimism that cannot be crushed. He cannot be burned. He cannot be crushed. But at the beginning of the pandemic, we were 67 days locked in our 14th story apartment without the children being able to leave for even five seconds. So, you know, it took till day like 35 or 36 for Titus to be like, I can't believe I can't even go outside. I'm tired of being in this apartment. He melted down for like five minutes mm -hmm. and then he kind of wiped off his face and that was it. Never again complaint. He is just 
bursting with optimism. So we are sure not to crush that in him, even when it drives us bonkers. Because we know that the Lord will use that in him to do mighty things for the kingdom of God. We've been now 10 years in the nation of Panama and serving this, this emerging generation in the public schools teaching our local congregations, our local Assemblies of God churches, how to bridge that gap between these crazy students and the church. And so we have the opportunity, open door, government permission to minister in any public high school in Panama. And so we have taken advantage of those opportunities. It used to be that we'd have to knock on doors, knock on doors, make a thousand calls, but now they call us. We've established a team, we've done a lot of training, and now these administrators and these principals want us in their schools to be able to give some kind of hope, some kind of something to their students. They can't even quite explain it, but they know they need us in there. And we have the opportunity to minister to kids who nearly know that Jesus is what they need. It's like it's right there on the tip of their tongue. They know that there has to be something for them. And so when we go, we're just like, that's something you're looking for is Jesus. And they respond. Panamanians, we believe in the call of God on this generation. We believe in the giftings that the Holy Spirit has placed on these students and young people. And so we work tirelessly to bring that out. We do everything possible. We use every means possible to draw that out of them, to introduce them to their creator so that they can redevelop their identity in who they were meant to be. And so we have seen amazing, beautiful things over the last now almost 11 years in Panama and three years in El Salvador before that. And we're just, we just feel like the luckiest people in the world, the most blessed people that we, even though the work is hard, that we get to do this beautiful, beautiful thing and work with these people who we love so much. We always tease that even on the worst day when we're like, Panamanians are so frustrating. It just like takes a wind and you just we're broken before our, with our love for them. So we just want to extend that love to you and to know the message that, of the missionaries. It's just everything that I could want to say. We really are your hands and feet. We really are going places that you may not be able to go, but we are sent by you. Our wins are your wins. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is so good to us. We can have this influence all over the globe, all over the world because of our participation in, in the kingdom of God and building one another. So thank you on behalf of our family. Thank you so much for all the love that you extend to the Kenyans in general. You're still loving on grandpa here and loving on us from, from afar. And we just want to say thank you so much. And we look forward to what we can do together in the future, building the Lord's kingdom. Amen. Thanks, Ben. Good morning. I, I might, uh, I think I was biting my lips so hard I didn't want to start crying before I even started speaking. So you didn't see emotion because I was biting my lips so I wouldn't show emotion in that moment. Don't worry, I'll, I'll be a crier. I'm an I'm a ugly crier, so it'll come out. Um, we're excited. I'm so sorry that you get me this morning and not the smart one. Um, she is the one that is currently working on her PhD uh, in a PhD program uh, in Oxford, Oxford, England. And so you get the eye candy and not the smart one. So sorry about that. Um, but I, we are very proud of her and uh, we are very excited to be here. I know the last time we were here was over five years ago. 
And I know we shared some stories, but I'm going to really speak from my heart this morning. Uh, I have a word that I felt like the Lord gave me before we started this itineration that was for his house. His house meaning his church. Do you, are you with me this morning? So I'm going to need some people to holler back at me because I have something that I really feel like we need to hear in the house. Come on, there it is. Thank you. So 11 years ago, we went to the country of Panama, and we had a dream, an idea, a vision, and, and there in that country, we, we went into schools and had this idea that we were going to do this public ministry. We were so excited, and, and I'll never forget our first year, our, our very first school that we walked into was not like the, the moment that everyone thought that it would be. It wasn't this uh, amazing thing. It was literally door after door was beginning to shut in our face, and so out of nowhere, we particularly went to this other school that just opened as, as a whim, and it was an idea, and out of nowhere, we walk in, we do a school assembly, 250 students walk into a really small room, and, and it's a lot of mold in the ceiling, and you can smell it as you walk in. There's not a single window in the room, and principal told us you had 45 minutes to do your thing to my students, fix them, fix their issues. You have 45 minutes, and then I'm coming in, and I'm taking them away. The craziest thing happened that day because for the first time in my life, I experienced Acts chapter 2 in a very real way. Acts chapter 2, 1 says what? And then suddenly. If you open your word and you begin to read in Acts chapter 2, 1, it says, and then suddenly, before it says anything else. And the most amazing thing happened because in a room full of 250 students in a public high school, out of nowhere, and then suddenly the Holy Spirit did his thing that he wanted to do, and 250 students began to weep and cry and begin to cry out to their creator that they had never met prior to that moment. Because and then suddenly, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit began to move in that house and began to do his thing, and out of nowhere, and then suddenly they began to cry out and speak in a language they had never learned before. The craziest thing in that moment that happened to us was as I was walking to the back of the room and I was going to talk with the principal because she was freaking out because I did this to her students. And let alone, I, that's where I really believe that the Lord has jokes sometimes for our lives. If you don't know what I mean, just watch your life. I believe the Lord has jokes for us. I believe the Lord likes to smile down on us sometimes and be like, here you go, try this one. I'm just going to step back and see how you handle that. And so when you're a missionary, let alone in your second language, let alone in your first language, it's hard to explain this and then suddenly moment, but then try to explain it in your second language. That's fun. Sure, no worries. That's great. You don't send her to go to speak to the principal whose second language dialect is unbelievable and she has this vocabulary that's unreal and unmatched. You send the dummy over there that sounds like Tarzan to try to explain this whole moment. <laughs> You got jokes. It's great. Ha ha to you. You win me today. That's awesome. <clears throat> and then out of nowhere, as I'm walking after having this long discussion with her, and, and I brought one of my team over with me that, that, that just kind of took over where I left off, and I was walking to the front of the room, and I'll never forget because this was the moment that I walked out different than I walked in. Because out of nowhere, as I met, as I was walking to the front of the room, because I'm still the man in charge in this house in this moment, I'm still guiding this service, and my team is looking at me saying, what do we do? Because we don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do, because no one taught anybody of this in Bible school. And then suddenly, moment, that would be really great. That'd be a fun class to teach. We should, we should write a curriculum for that. And then suddenly... 
But out of nowhere, as I'm walking to the front of the room, a 13-year-old, 14-year-old little girl grabbed my arm, and my life shifted and changed forever. This little girl looked at me with no tears or emotion and, and, and just really looked at me point blank and said, if your God is so real, why does he allow the life that he's given me to happen? If your God is so real and you talk about a God who loves and you talk about a God who cares, why does your God allow my dad to abuse me every night of my life? Why does your God allow me to be taken advantage of the, the dad that he gave me? And, and, and why? What did I ever do to the God that you talk about that loves me so much that created me in his image? And you talk about this amazing moment. And out of nowhere, what did I ever do to deserve the life that he has given me? Before I could ever utter anything else in that moment, she looked at me one more time and said, for the first time in my life, and, and I met her, and, and she said, my name is Jennifer, and she said, for the first time in my life, my dad was leaving on a new job, and, and he had taken a, a job with a new company in the canal, and he was going to be gone for six months, and at that breakfast table, for the first time in my life, since I can remember since age three or four years old, I was going to have peace for the first time, because this night, this moment was happening for me, because my dad's bags were at the breakfast table and he was going to leave and he was going to be gone for six months. But out of nowhere, as my dad sat at that breakfast table with my two older brothers, he looked at them and looked at me and said, she's all yours. Your God that created me, the God that you say cares about me, the God that you say that knows the hairs of my head, what did I ever do to him to deserve the life that he's given me? I'd never been challenged like that before in all my years in youth ministry. I had never had that moment before. I'd never been in that moment. But you better believe that you're walking in the Father. You better believe that you're walking in the Spirit. You better believe that you have people praying for you, holding up your arms in this battle, because this battle just got real for my life. And out of nowhere, I spoke words into this little girl's life, and we encouraged her, and we, we, we found the counselor to get her hope. And that day, out of 250 students, over 95% boy and girl told us the same exact story. What I realized is that day as we left that place and, and my wife looking at me in the front and as we were doing and having our own moment with God the Father and he was putting something and birthing something inside of us that, that I didn't want it to become a reality because I knew that if it did it was going to shift everything that we were there to do. Because I didn't know the end. I didn't know all of the picture. I didn't understand everything that God was doing. But the moment that we accepted that challenge that God threw down the gauntlet to us and said, I brought you here for this, was the moment that I realized that we had a mantle and we had a special anointing that no matter where we go from that day after 11 years, everywhere we go, every location that I go to, every grocery store, every Costco, every Price Mart, uh, every Costco that we go to at the mall when it's date night, every restaurant that I walk into, I have a student that will run to us and say, are you the missionary that has hope? Are you the missionary that directs out refuge? Are you the missionary that can bring hope into my life? I've heard about your ministry. I follow your ministry. Can you bring something? Can you give me help? I need help right now. Everywhere we go, we encounter that. You better believe that you have churches praying for you, uplifting your arms. 
That day over 11 years ago, we birthed an idea that we've seen God take and become a reality. It's an idea of a location downtown where students can run to for hope. And our highest times that we have students filling up our, our, our doors and, and our rooms when, when it's open is before and after school. It's the highest time when most of our students are being exploited, sold, or abused. We have students coming to find God, and I know that we have a, a, a slide image of some of my students this morning that I want to share about because they are the reason why we're here. They're the reason why I can stand on those shoulders that, that, that we were sent to the country of Panama to do. I didn't understand why I was sent there, but now I do. There's a young man on that, on that screen. You won't see his face. We have to cover it for reasons, but he himself is JC. JC was the reason why the Lord invented dodgeball. Anybody understand that in the house? If you don't understand that joke, that's totally fine. Volunteer with Miss Rachel, and, and she will explain why God invented dodgeball. It was to teach young men like JC valuable lessons and rules in life. Come on, somebody. But I'll never forget because we had just opened and just launched our idea of El Refuge, and we had gone to JC's school. He came and heard about us and came. And, and in some time when we first launched, we didn't have a lot of rules because I'm a pastor's kid, and so I believe that rules were meant to be like a rubber band. They're meant to be stretched. Anybody else standing with me in the house? Where my wife, she's on the other side of the rules scenario where she believes that they are concrete. They are meant to be the foundation of society. I believe they're like a trampoline. The, the, the higher we can go, the more we can do. Come on. Anybody else with me? No, I'm by myself. It's totally fine. And so in this moment, we didn't have a lot of rules and regulations in our center. And JC was, was pushing the envelope, and he was pushing us. And, and he would get in fights, and, and uh, fights over video games with other people. And I had to come to him, and I'm like, JC, I have to create rules for you. Literally, the JC rule. That's not a good thing, bro. That's not a, that's not a really good thing to, to, to say to somebody, that I have to create a rule because of you. And I kicked J.C. out for about a week, and sure enough, the very next day, he was back there all over again. I'm like, J.C., has anybody told you no before? Like, is this something that we have to create? No means no, right, bro? Like, we have to walk through that process. A couple months later, J.C.'s mom called me, and he himself, his attitude, everything was shifting and changing for the better. And his mom called me and said, can I meet with you? And, and I was like, great. What did I do or what did he do? I'm in trouble. That's awesome. That's, that's my life. That's perfect. And I met with him and, and, and his grandmother and his mom, and she walks up to me. And I'll never forget that day because she walks up to me and goes, I don't know what you did, but you changed him. He's different now than he was before he ever started coming. And then in time, a few months later, last October was probably one of the, a year ago, this past October was one of the greatest days of my life because I received a video from a local youth pastor that sent me and said, bro, this is all you. I just want you to see it. And, and there JC was walking into a swimming pool at a retreat center and he was dedicating his life because he has now been uh, committing his life to follow after Christ because he feels that he's called to plant churches in the country of Panama. A kid who's been abandoned by his dad and, and had been abused. And we're seeing the transformation power of God begin to take place. And the reason why we talk about JC is because the dream that God gave us 11 years ago was now a reality. And we saw it full circle. The other image of those girls on that wall, on that screen up there, are girls that I know their story so well. And one girl, the, there's twins and there's another girl. And... 
One of the girls of the twins, their mom abandoned them when they were three years old and their dad's done everything in his power and he loves on them and treats them well and they've yet to really follow after God the way that we would hope that they would but I'll tell you what, they can quote scripture better than anybody else because the seeds are there. The other one on that screen is one that is a, a horrific tale. She's the reason why we opened the center in the first place. She's abused ongoing and, and in multiple relationships and has had a horrific life. And she herself knows God's word. She herself has had seeds planted deep down inside, but she's yet to really come to uh, follow after God the way she would want to because she's still in that blame game. It's his fault. But every week, every time, Every single time we're open, that girl is there because she knows that there's something that she needs and we are there for every crisis and we're there for every tear and we're there to see God do what he desires to do. This morning I opened up with this idea and this concept that I said to you that the Lord put something on my heart when I came in this itineration cycle and you know, I said, God, what do you want me to tell your people? It's a really fun topic, so I won't be here for another five years, so it's totally fine. By then, you'll forget what I said this morning. So if you want to throw spears or chairs, that's awesome. Um, just remember, I'm gone after this, okay? <laughs> I don't mean to beat you up this morning, but I'm here to challenge you because it's something that's burning inside of me more than ever before that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see the church begin to take the mantle that God has placed on our shoulders more than ever before. I want to talk about a subject called love. It's not a subject that's very easy to talk about. The word talks about love so many times, and it's so profound, the word that we were given this morning about loving others and loving God, because it's literally my word. And so I thought God was going to preach it before I got up here. And so I just was going to sit down and just be like, all right, I'm good. I'm over. Let's, I'll just say a couple testimonies, and I'll walk away. But you got to hear something that's so burdened in my life right now. Because we go so many times in life and we're dealing with a very salty culture, am I right? A culture that's very quick to, to, to just challenge you and, and cancel you and, and, and really say things that, that want to make you come out of your skin and we're so short and sweet. And if you don't understand what I mean, just drive down the highway on 55 in the left lane and we'll understand where you really are in life. Can I get an amen? It just, I just don't understand. Like, it's common sense, right? It's the fast lane. It's meant to go. It's not meant to... I'm sorry, that's my own thing. <laughs> but we live in a very impatient world. We live in a place, in a world that so much of our society has jumped to the conclusion of rudeness, and we don't have time for it. But we ourselves are finding our, our spot in this world where God is placing us, and he's asking, are you ready to speak out? Not in the sense on the corner with a big sign that say that you're going to hell, but in the sense that we are being called to do something that God challenged us that I think so many of our churches have negated and have forgotten that Jesus taught us so long ago. The enemy has slowed down the church in so many ways, and I understand that this season of COVID has really slowed down a lot of the, the gospel and, and the challenging across the globe, and, and I like to call it a complete waste of our time. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've, we've had to learn how to shift and learn how to do things that we've never done before. But in this moment, I feel like the Holy Spirit keeps coming and keeps knocking and keeps challenging to say, hey, I shifted you, but get ready for what's about to come. If you have your Bibles, if you would open up to Matthew chapter 5 with me this morning. 
And I'm going to start, and, I'm, and I'm, uh, uh, I'm reading from the NLT because I believe that that is God's chosen word for this morning in this house. And if you disagree, that's fine. You can speak to the other Garrett in the other side of the room. <laughs> and if you don't follow him, follow him on Facebook and complain to him. His Garrett Kenyon, not the other. Thank you. But the NLT says this, verse 1, chapter 5. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus got up. Uh, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach to them. Verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse, uh, I'm sorry, that was verse 3. Verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Verse Six. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 11. If you don't believe me that God has jokes, verse 11, right there. I'll prove it to you right now. God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Verse 12, be happy about it. If you don't believe that God has jokes for your life, verse 11 and 12 right there. How many of you in this house have been mocked and lied about and felt persecuted before? If you don't raise your hand, we will have an altar call next and we will deal with the sin in the house. Because we all have in some capacity. But verse 12, be happy about it. Be very glad because why? For great is the reward that awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Verse 13, you are salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can, it, can, it, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under, uh, puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives what? Light in, to everyone in the house to see. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I want to read from the message, and I want you to hear it. It's on the screen, but I want you to hear this this morning. Verse 13 from the message puts it like this. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be a salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness, and you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a, hit, as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine forth. Keep open the house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll be prompted to open. They'll be prompted to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. Jesus called us to be light in darkness. It's there. It's evident. He asked us to bring out the seasoning and the colors on the earth. 
That's the challenge that Jesus gave us. He, he commanded us to do that. That's what we were brought in this uh, amazing moment where we are right now is to bring out his colors and his flavor on the earth. He commanded us to do so. And how do we take responsibility for being salt? Well, first, I'm going to give you some examples. Are you with me this morning? Now, Pastor Ken did not point me in anyone's direction. So I'm going to look forward. Anybody feels guilty, that's on you, not on me, okay? <laughs> Number one, be joyful and stop complaining. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Mm, serve. Serve others without bringing the intention to you. That's the hard one. The third one, be faithful and consistent. The hardest thing to do is to be salt and light wherever we go. We talk about it. We challenge it. As a youth pastor for years, we would challenge our students to think about the other five. We would always challenge them to pray for five friends and ask God to open those doors. But as adults, I think that we negate that sometimes and we forget. But there are so many times, and I'm telling you, the local Walmart is my favorite God-watering hole designed for our life. Walmart and Target are the places that Jesus has put inside of us. If you don't believe me, don't go to their shop. Just go there to people watch. And then allow God to speak to you to interrupt the narrative in somebody's life. Not to, not to lift up a sign, but allow him to allow you to bring out the color and the seasoning on the earth. So many times we miss moments, and, and, I, and I have a list that, that my wife and I, that we carry, that there are moments that I've missed, so I'm not perfect standing before you. That's why when God put this on my heart last May, I didn't want to preach it. I didn't want to write it. I didn't want to script out this sermon, and I said, nope, I'll do something else. We're good. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit spoke. And said, what do you feel like the Lord's putting on your heart as we're going in the itineration mode? And I'm like, I don't want to tell you. Because if I tell you, I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> I feel like you need to talk on love and salt and light. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, hear you. But it's, this is the hardest season to talk about this right now. It's the hardest to not just talk about it, but it's the hardest to live it out. We live in an impatient world, and I understand more than ever before. I live in a culture that Panama is one of the hardest cultures to live in. They're impatient people. They're very rude people, but they love God so much, and I know that it's there, and I get the honor and the joy and the privilege to be what? To be salt. I get the honor and joy and the privilege to do what? To bring out his flavor and his coloring on the earth. Jesus talked about it. He challenged us. And the greatest part about that first part in chapter 5, the reason why I read it is I want you to hear something. That in chapter 5, before we ever get to verse 13, he sets us up for success. He gives us all the ideas. He says what? Be humble. Be merciful. Be peaceful. Walk in those things. Walk in those giftings that I've given you. I'm challenging you to do that because if you do it, then you can do what? You can open up the house and you can allow your light to shine because opening up the house will bring people what? To him, not to you. So many times we forget when we read that message in that passage that, it, that Jesus set us up for success in those moments. 
Mother Teresa put it best. She said what? She said, intense love does not measure. It only gives. And it gives some more. So many times, love requires us to love more than we can feel or squeeze out of us. So many times, as we stand before our students time and time again, and we talk about it, we see the change and, and the impact of God coming out of them that we have to then challenge them to love the one that hurt you. That's not easy to do. A few years ago, we met a girl named Sarah. And Sarah, we, we went into her school. We were just launching our girls' conference that you're about to see an image of on the screen in just a few minutes. And, and we met this girl, and we walked into her school. And, and out of nowhere, we, we handed out tickets. We were launching our girls' conference. We were excited. And, and this idea that I thought that God put on us, and, uh, you know, it was an idea that we had over hamburgers because I love a good hamburger. Can I get an amen in the house? I feel, like that's, I feel like that's the Last Supper. I'm just saying. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. It was bread, and there's some meat in that. I mean, you know, it's all there. And out of nowhere, we had this idea, and we were launching in, and we were going into schools, handing out tickets of invites, and we had 10,000, and we, we were just naive enough to think that thousands of girls would come, and that was the idea of our conference. One and done is what I thought. I will never do it again. One and done. I, I heard you. I did it. I'm done. We were, we're moving on. And we went into this school, and we handed out tickets at our conference, and it was amazing, and God did his thing. And I didn't go back to that school, that particular school, for two years. Not because we couldn't, just our schedule had filled up, and there wasn't an open door to go. And so we finally go back, and the principal was a new director there, and she said, you have, you have carte blanche, you can do whatever you want. I want you to go classroom by classroom, do your thing, fix my kids. I hear what you do. Do what you do. That's cool. A lot of pressure. Sure, I'll do my best. And at lunch, in the middle of the week, I was sitting off to the side. And my assistant walked up to me and she said, she said, boss, I need you to meet this girl. Her story is amazing. You got to hear her story, boss. And so and she walks up and my assistant introduces me to this young girl named Sarah. And Sarah goes, I don't know if you remember me, but you came two years ago and you gave me a ticket to your conference. And I want you to know that I met my creator at your conference and I heard his voice. The man that you talked about that created me, I met him. I heard his voice. Tears streaming down her face. She's like, I want to tell you my story. For the longest time, my dad would abuse me every night of my life. He would come around late at night. He would knock on the door, and he would do whatever he wanted to do with me. And I was just, what we did, we lived with it. I went to your conference. I met your creator, but something different happened because your wife stood up, and you stood up, and you held the magazine, and on the back of the magazine that you gave us, you said there are 50 promises on the back of the magazine. And on the back of that magazine, you said that if we would quote those promises, and we would stand on those promises, that God the creator would be our protector. Can I get an amen? On a side note, if we believe in this word, and we believe that the word is true, and in Daniel, it talks about a man named Daniel in the lion's den, and we believe that God the Father shut the mouth of a lion, then we've got to believe that God the, God the Father can protect and shut down a predator. I'm just that naive to believe that my faith is big enough that I can extend my faith to every child and every student that we encounter that God will do what he says he will do. Out of nowhere, this little girl, tears streaming down her face, is telling me this moment that's powerful and impacting and on her. And she said, I stood on your promises. I want you to know that I went home and I prayed over them. I said them. I quoted them over and over and over again. And I want you to know something. After time, 
my dad stopped coming around. After a few months, my dad wouldn't come knocking anymore. And then in that moment, my mom, about a month or two later, heard me talking. And she knocked on the door and she said, Sarah, who are you talking with? It's late. Mom. I met my creator and I talked to him every night and I met him through this missionary and this is what he said and these are the promises that I stand on and, and, and what he said is true and I stand on these promises and, and I want you to know that God is beginning to change our house and out of nowhere Sarah invited her mom to the local church that we had connected her with and her mom got saved and a few months later her dad got saved because if we believe in his promises, his promises are yes and amen, then we have to believe that his love will change the narrative every time he enters. The hardest thing that I did that day and every day that we walk in the students' lives is to say that if you can love God the Creator just like He loves you, then you can love the one that hurts you the most. Sarah's story changed, it shifted everything for us. Matthew 5:44 says, What? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you would be my sons and of your father. And I also like to add that you would also be my daughters of your father who's in heaven. We must learn to love those with such intensity of love. We have to learn to love them, those who hurt us. We can't be salt and light without love. They, they kind of go together. They're the narrative that, they're, they're the thing that drives and changes the narrative every time we walk into a situation. Matthew 22, verse 36 says what? Teacher, uh, which is the most important commandment of the law? Moses and Jesus replied, you must love, the, love, your, you must love the, the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. But then we do what? We slide into the next one. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor. We can't love God and not love our neighbor. He's commanding us. He's driving us to be salt and light in every narrative that we enter. Everywhere we go, he's asking us. He's pleading with us. Will you love them with such intensity like I did? And I gave my life. I'm asking you, will you love them like you say you love me? Will you love them? Will you change the narrative? Will you bring out my God colors and my flavoring on the earth like I commanded you and I asked you to do? The greatest example that I can give you this morning of love is what you're going to see on the screen right now. It's a small clip of what God's allowed us to take part in over the last 11 years in the country of Panama. And I want you to check this out.
My wife said it so perfectly, and I'm going to end with this. We'll give our very last breath, and we believe in God's purpose in this generation. I'll give my last breath if that's what it takes. We believe in so much in the saturation that God is beginning to change and the shift in narrative in a a very small country of young people that that have been abused and broken and and, and no one cares about them, but they're the ones that I've been asked to be, the one that changes the narrative in their story. They're the ones that I care about. They're the ones that I pray about. They're the ones that burdens me every day of my life for. God's beginning to shift and change the narrative with his amazing love. You're an amazing church. We're going to bring it back to you. Who are the people that are in your life? Who are the people that you work with? Who are the people that you see every time you go to Wawa? Mm. That need a little love. Who are the people that God brings into your story and into your narrative on a daily basis that so many times it's not about holding up a sign and and condemning them, but it's about being salt that changes the narrative and bringing out the God flavors and the God coloring on the earth. Who are the people that we impact on a daily life, on a daily basis? I'm not called to this community anymore. I've been released of that. I have a new calling and a new area that I've been challenged to plant and to be in, and and I will do everything in my power until he moves me on, but you are here. My simple challenge this morning is very simple, and it's one that I don't challenge before you without challenging myself on a daily basis, but it's one that we say ourselves over and over again with our staff and our team and now in our itineration methods and moments of of amazing left lane where people need to feel a little love of Jesus. Mm. Left lane, is my that's my struggle. I'm just being honest with you. But will you commit this morning before you walk out of this house like we commit every single day? Will you commit to be salt that changes lives around you? Will you commit to impact the world around you here in this area? Will you commit to not just love him, but to love every single person that you encounter with such intensity of love that it changes the narrative before you ever speak? That's what we forget so many times. He'll put in the words. He'll change the narrative if we allow him to. Would you commit to being a seasoning that brings out his flavors and colors on the earth? Father, in this house, we have an amazing group of people. There are people that love you so much. God, I ask that one more day, one more time, that you would burden us for the loss like never before. God, our season is drawing to an end, God. The season that you're coming back, and we know that more than ever before. More than ever before, you're coming back for us, and you're desiring that all of your creation would come be around your throne. And Father, I ask that one more day this house would open up its doors, that one more time, God, people in this place would begin to uh, see images of, of people that they encounter on a daily life, that you put in their story, that you put in their narrative in order for them to love with such intense love that it would just give and it would change and drive the story and the narrative and those around us on a daily basis that we would not just learn to love you more and more every day that we would also love your creation more and more 
that we would love them so much with such intensity that we would be the salt that brings out the seasoning on the earth, that we would be the light that brings out your God colors on the earth, God, without ever even having to think about it. God, that we would serve others with such love that we wouldn't even think about it. Every time that you create the moment, God, in our life, that you say, speak now, say this, do this, God, that we would just do it because we're being prompted by your Holy Spirit to change the narrative, to open a door, to reveal your love more than ever before. God, one more day, one more time, we commit to not just love you, but to love your creation and that we commit to be salt and light yes. everywhere we go, no matter what the circumstances are, Amen. that you would allow us, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You received that this morning? Amen. 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 Praise God. Kenyans, thank you so much. You will forever be a part of the Ferton family. We love you guys. On your way out, please make sure you get a chance to greet them. Next to our tithe box, we have a bowl there if you'd like to sow a seed into their ministry. Boy, didn't that look amazing, that video, just to see the awesome work that's being done there. That is awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, don't forget, on your way out, if you didn't grab some palms, we have them right out next to the, the doors here, so make sure you get a chance to get some palms. Maybe if you see someone that's not here today, grab one for them, and we'll make sure we get something to them as well. Uh, pantry Scene Luncheon, if you're feeling hungry, that's a great place to connect and have a great time there. Tonight, Youth Groups has got a, a special event going on, and we'll have our Meet the Missionary with Josh and Renee Ransom. And Prayer and Healing Rooms, if you need prayer for anything today, uh, let that team pray for you before you leave today. Amen. We'll dismiss by section. I'll close you in prayer. Why don't you stand with me as we get ready to close. Thank you for joining us from home. We love you guys. We pray for you. Leave a comment there so we know how you're doing. If you need anything, let us know. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our service today, Lord. Thank you for the word that was brought forth, the anointing, Lord. We pray now that we would receive that word and respond to it, Father. Thank you for those divine appointments. This week, Wawa, ShopRite, Target, Walmart, wherever we go, let us be on alert. Let us be ready, Lord, for the people you bring into our life, Lord, to love unconditionally, non-judgmentally, just to love those people, embrace them that you put in our path this week. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day.